chapter 1 of 2 Peter. It's in the back of the book, towards the end of the New Testament. We looked at 1 Peter, I think it was last year, was it a long time ago? And uh, we've uh, got to 2 Peter. We're going to pick that up and have a look through that. In 1 Peter, the Apostle Peter was helping the church or a group of Christians in what is now modern-day Turkey to be ready for and prepare themselves for persecution from the outside, for pressure and persecution and attack from those who are against the gospel. And uh, we look through 1 Peter and the whole area of persevering in the faith. Well, 2 Peter... Peter's just about, he has sort of been warned by the Spirit of God that it's not long before he's going to be martyred for the faith. Actually, history records that he was crucified and he said he didn't, uh, he was crucified in Rome as a martyr uh, for the gospel of Jesus and he didn't deserve to be crucified as his Lord and so they crucified him upside down on a cross. How horrible could that be? And that's how Peter died. This is the Peter that wrote this letter that we're going to look at this morning and uh, he is concerned, as the, the church is a little bit older now, he is concerned that the attack now is not coming, well, probably both, not coming just from the outside, but is actually coming from the inside. He is concerned about what Jesus has spoken about, of, of, sheep, uh, of wolves in sheep's clothing, and what Paul warns about, of false teachers coming in. And uh, so he's trying to prepare the church to be secure in their faith and to stand firm in their faith against the onslaught of those from attack from the inside, which is harder sometimes to prepare. It's easy in one sense if an attack comes from the outside, we band together to support each other as we stand against an attack from the outside. What's more subtle is when the evil one wants to destroy the church, he starts it on the inside. He's done it for years and we seem to fall in the trap. And that's why he uses disunity or all sorts of things in the church get us upset with one another. Uh, and so we just sort of fight and destroy the church from the inside. But one of the things is he also brings false doctrine and false teaching within the church because what we believe affects how we behave. And so if he can change our thinking, and so we're going to be looking at this over a number of weeks of uh, what Peter is warning the church and therefore warning us about. And so we need to be secure and strong in our faith to stand against any false teaching that would come up from within the church. This is the Peter who was called to follow Jesus. He was a fisherman. He was a businessman, and he had a fishing business with his family. This is the Peter who walked on water and yet took his eyes off Jesus and be began to uh, sink, but Jesus pulled him out. This is the Peter who denied the Lord. This is the Peter, who was reinstated by Jesus and asked to feed his sheep and take care of his sheep. This is, the, this is the Peter who saw Jesus transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration, as we call it, where the glory of who he really is, our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, was revealed to Peter, James, and John. And this is, this is the Peter who saw the empty tomb and the risen Jesus and was there at the ascension when Jesus went back to heaven. This is the Apostle Peter. And sometimes when we read the scriptures, we sort of think sort of nebulously, but we need to get the reality. This is a real person who was actually there, who knew him and touched him and walked with him and heard him. 
and his life was transformed and he's writing to the church and to us. And the people he's talking to are in modern-day Turkey and he's writing, as he says in First Peter, those in Bithynia and Pontus and Galatia and Asia and Cappadocia in that area, these Christians there. And so we're going to read 2 Peter uh, chapter 1 and uh, a number of verses there and uh, we're going to ask Warwick uh, to read that to us. So listen to what the Lord Jesus says to you through the Apostle Peter. If you have 2 Peter chapter 1 and reading from verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of God and Saviour Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they are being cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, Make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Eric. That's the word of the living God. Let's pray. Yes, Jesus, we do love you because you first loved us and sent your Son as the propitiation for our sins to take the judgment we deserved and the punishment that should have fallen on us fell on you. And because of that, we are set free, we are forgiven, we are redeemed, we're brought into the family of God, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, your gift of life, your life eternal life and we're so grateful and we've come this morning to worship you our great God and Savior Jesus Christ on this the first day of the week that we remember that you rose from the dead and conquered sin and death and as we wait for your coming again as we look forward to that day when you return we pray that you'll help us to stay true to the faith to stand strong in the faith and not be swayed to the right or to the left so encourage us through the great Apostle Peter. Help us to hear you speak to us through him. And we look forward to it in Jesus' name. Amen. To Peter, chapter 1. 
And we're going to look at the first three verses this morning. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Know how, know how we, notice how he refers to Jesus there. To those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. I want to focus for a few moments this morning on the area of how to be secure in your faith. Or to make it a little bit more personal, how to be secure in who you are in the faith. How to be secure in who you are. And I think it'll come as we grow in a number of ways, and I want to share those with you this morning, that actually come out of that first statement, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Peter is very secure in his faith, very secure in who he is. He wasn't always that way. He was very up and down, blown with the wind, but something happened and some things happen that you'll notice, will hopefully we'll notice as we look through his greeting here. He uses a normal greeting in the ancient world. We tend to write letters, you know, hi, Joe Bloggs, except I sent a letter to the board the other day. And, you know, in our church program, you go, dear, and you put at name. And if you put them together, it means that it'll put your name in. So that's how you get the personal emails each week. I don't go through and put 200, you know, uh, names in. It puts it if you put at name, except when I was writing to the board the other week, I, did, I put a space between the at and the name, and so it went to the more dear at name. So dear at name, it was very personal. But anyway, in the ancient world, um, because you, ha you didn't have letters or you couldn't just shoot down on your keyboard with the, uh, with the email, it was a scroll, and so they put everything at the front. They didn't put with blessing at the end from John. You couldn't look at the back, so they put not only who it was from, and who it was to, and then a greeting was all at the beginning. So as you opened the scroll, as you read the scroll from back to front, uh, you would find out who this was from. So you didn't have to sort of pull out the whole scroll to get to the end, who's this letter from. And uh, so you'll notice that in all the letters of the New Testament, how it starts. So who's, this, who's writing this? Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Who's he writing to? To those who through the righteousness of our God and Saviour Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. And later in the letter, he will talk to, the, we know who he's writing to because he mentions, I've already sent you a letter. This is my second letter to you. And in his first letter, 1 Peter, um, we noticed he sent it to Asia, or modern day Turkey as we know it. And then his greeting is, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of our God and Saviour Jesus Christ. But I want to focus as we look at Peter's secure self-image, how he was secure and who he was in the faith. I want us to look at that and learn something from him this morning. So I want to look at his, his introduction. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Simon Peter. His name wasn't always Peter. 
Jesus changed his name. And in many cultures, when people actually come out of a, a different culture and became Christians in times past, they would take on a Christian name from the Bible and add it to their own name uh, to say, something's happened in my life. Some, someone has transformed my life. That was the name I was given, but I have a, a new name now, a Christian name. And this was the name Jesus gave to Peter at a time that he didn't feel like what this name went. But you see, we're not who God wants us to be, but praise God, we're not who we used to be because God is doing something in us. And Peter was secure in the fact that he had a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. And he was called Peter, and that meant rock, big rock, solid rock. He didn't feel like a rock. Other people didn't see him as a rock. But that, that was what God was going to do in his life, and he became a rock in the church, a solid rock for the Christian faith and for his faith in Jesus, even to the point of martyrdom. Even when it wasn't him the soldiers were taking, he denied the Lord and he ran away when Jesus was taken, even though he had said, I will never deny you and I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, but he did. So that's what he used to be like. He could say a whole heap of things and do the exact opposite. But he'd begun a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. See, later on in his greeting, he says, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Have you got a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ? But on a static one, I, I don't mean just that you've given your life to Jesus. What Peter says in his greeting here, Grace, may you, may you go on knowing more of the commitment, covenant love of God in your life. May you grow in your peace with God and enjoying the peace of God, the shalom of God, the, the wholeness of God in your life. May you know more of it in abundance through your knowledge of God. That word knowledge there is not just having some facts, it's epinosis. Knowledge is the word gnosis, but here he's saying complete knowledge, full knowledge of God, not just an introduction knowledge of God. Are you going on in the Christian faith? Are you growing in your personal experience of God and of Jesus our Lord? Do you have a growing, dynamic, transforming relationship that's changing you, the Scripture says, from one degree of glory to another as you get to know Jesus more? Do you know Jesus more now than you did a year ago? How do we do that? Well, do you make any time to read and hear? In any relationship, you need to talk. Do you give time for God to talk to you through his word, tell, him about, tell you about himself? Have you got some system that helps you to read the scriptures? Can I suggest pick a book and read a chapter a day or have some plan? where you can spend time listening to God, not just on Sunday, but during the week? And do you talk any relationship you need to talk? Just like Leo, we just did it by accident. It's quite nice. When we get home from work, I make a coffee, and we go down and sit just on a little seat in front of our house and have a look at the yard. 
and just in the busyness of life, just pause for 10 minutes and chat about the day. It's been good. I remember in a busier time of our life with kids and work and we were both studying and both working full time and had three kids under who knows what and running a church and ministry and everything else and uh, things got a little bit strained. We decided we we suddenly realised and we were doing opposite shifts so that we could look after our kids and uh, be with them and, um, and things got a little difficult as they do in every relationship. And uh, so we decided once a week we would go down to the local uh, nursery where they put on a coffee and we'd just buy some fish and chips and sit there and uh, you could talk first and I'd talk second and next we would turn around, just what's on your mind and just just chat. You see, in relationships you need to talk. Do, Do you spend time talking to Father? Or is it only when you hit a problem suddenly you start to pray? Or is it part of your week? Are you growing in grace and peace, in abundance in your life because you're growing to full knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ? And this personal experience, this knowledge is not just head knowledge, it's knowledge by experience and relationship because you spend time talking to him, talking to him about your work and talking to him about your marriage and talking about your life and talking about your decisions and do you spend time actually just pausing and sometimes some of us have got to learn who can speak is to listen and even in prayer to just pause and be silent in the presence of God and to meditate on his word and as you read it saying what are you saying to me through this Lord what are you saying help me to hear your voice is that how you come Sunday morning you want to get more out of Sunday, come expecting God to talk to you. It doesn't matter who's speaking. God's here. We believe in the risen Jesus and he's here with his people and we come expecting him to talk to us. And so as we read the word, as we worship, as we pray, whatever we're doing, we're saying, Lord Jesus, will you speak to me? Peter, Peter reminds him of this transforming relationship. He didn't feel like a rock. He didn't seem to be like a rock, but the spirit of God would do something in his life even to the point when on the day of Pentecost he was able with great courage to stand up and preach, even in the face of opposition, even when they were told not to and beaten for it. 3,000 came to know Jesus that day. Peter, Peter, a transforming relationship. Have you entered into it and are you growing in it? Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. To have a secured or to be secure in who you are, have you accepted the role God's given you? Peter probably didn't want to be an apostle. Remember, after Jesus was risen from the dead, he was on the, on the shore of the lake and he was talking to Jesus and Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Well, feed my sheep. Peter, do you really love me? And look after my lambs. Peter, do you really love me? Feed my sheep. How can I do that? Peter, an apostle. One called by God and sent by God. One who had seen the risen Christ. One who was given the authority to be the 
you might say, the foundation of the Christian church, built on the rock of Jesus, on the foundation of Jesus himself. Have you discovered what God has shaped you for? He has not brought you to Outlook to sit in a pew. That's why here at Outlook we believe that every member is a minister. We're all in partnership. That's why we talk about membership as partnership. We're partners in the ministry and God has gifted you, put you in a body and you have a gift. And next year hopefully we'll be beginning a course that will help us to look at our shape, how God has shaped you for ministry to serve him. Have you accepted, have you discovered and are you confident in your role? So often we want to, you know, be or do what somebody else is instead of accepting it. What, what's the role you've given me? Have you shaped me? What have you called me? Peter, you've been called to be an apostle. Will you accept that role from God? What have you been called to do? What's your role? And even in all our roles, sometimes, you know, is your role as a mother? Is your role as your father? Role in your work? We've all got different roles. Have I come to an, an acceptance of that, that God can be in that? A servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Or are you always trying to be somebody else. I met with a pastor this week and he's looking to finish up at the church he's in and he, we were sharing just about our story and things that have happened in our life and our ministry and I was trying to encourage him a little bit <laughs> and uh, he's a great guy but he's had a different ministry and, he's, and it's been hard for him. And so often you can look at others who have a different ministry with different gifts and go, oh, you know, and so wish I was that. And then we went to a minister's fraternal uh, with him with some other ministers and it was great to see how they affirmed him. What he can do, he's just great at connecting in a community and to people far from God. You know, he, he struggles with, running church and doing this, but he's called to be a pastor as well, but struggles with that, but release him into, uh, yeah, connecting with all sorts of different groups. And so in his church, he's got all sorts of different groups uh, meeting who uh, got nothing to do with the church, but are connecting and he's connecting with them. He just, he's just very different. So you can look down the road, see somebody with a different gift. And even in the church, we can do that. Oh, I wish I could sing I wish I was a Jeff, and what, what has God shaped you? He's brought you here for a purpose. Are you secure in your role? How to be secure in who you are? Discover how God has shaped you and begin to serve in that. Discover how God has shaped you and to begin to serve in that. My grandmother used to say in India, in acceptance, there is peace. In acceptance, there is peace. At the moment, he's got you as a mother. Oh, I used to do this and I used to there, but now he's given you some children to look after. In acceptance, there is peace. Suddenly, I had all this freedom. And as my son's discovering, now you've got a child and you can't just do what you used to do as a single adult. In acceptance, there is peace. My role, I'm, a, I'm to be a Christian dad now. I'm in a family, a church family, in these responsibilities and a role. What is it? Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. I love this one. He refers to himself as Simon Peter. And actually the interesting thing is 
only two times. It's actually the Hebraic version here, which is actually Simeon. And it's only used twice in the New Testament. And uh, let me just take you on a little detour here and show you something from this. It's actually Simeon, the Hebrew version of it. And the other time it's used is in Acts at the Jerusalem Council when, um, when the church is sort of deciding, do, do non-Jews have the same rights in the Christian church as Jews because the gospel came to the Jews. Jesus was a Jew and uh, they were struggling with the fact that God's doing something. And it was at that time that Simeon stood up and said, hang on folks, God gave me this vision of a sheep coming down with all these animals that as a Jew I shouldn't touch and not even let alone eat. And God said to me, get up Peter and eat it. And I said, no Lord, how you can put those two words together if he's Lord and say no, this is what Peter was learning. And it happened three times and he realised this was a message of God and this then there was a knock on the door and a Gentile had come. He was servant of Cornelius who was a Roman centurion and said, God has spoken to the centurion, angel has met him and told us to come and get you to come and tell us about the way to life. And suddenly Peter, Peter realised that those people that he'd called unclean and would have nothing to do with Jews and uh, non-Jews and Gentiles and he wouldn't eat with them. And he wouldn't be associated with them because he was trying to keep holy and to God. And this has come over in the church sometimes that we don't want to relate to non-Christians. How in the world will they hear about Jesus if we don't? And so Peter got up at this church council meeting and said, God did something and showed me that we shouldn't call anybody unclean and his gospel has gone to everybody. He wants to save everybody. And I went to Cornelius and the Spirit of God was given to them just like we received the Spirit of God. And here he refers to himself as Simeon and then he tells us who he's writing to. To those who through the righteousness or the justice of God have received as a gift just like him a faith, salvation, as precious as ours, or the picture there, with the same honours and privileges as ours. It doesn't matter who you are or what your race or what your background is, whether I'm an apostle or not an apostle, whether I'm somebody important or not important, this salvation, this gift of God is for everyone because God is no respecter of persons. And so Simeon, was a door opener to those who in the past had been kept out from the good news and from the life of God. I want to ask you, are you a door opener to those who in our little video feel maybe I can't go to church or maybe I'm not good enough to be a Christian or, you know, I've got to get my life in order before I go there and I've got these wrong ideas. Are you a door opener? Are you a simian? A Simeon. How to be secure in your faith? By being a door opener to others. And friends, this coming weekend, we have an opportunity to do that. Would you be a door opener to others? To bring those far from God into the faith? It may be just to invite them to come along. And then it may be to go to a coffee and chat and introduce them to the, uh, what we believe.
It may be to do an introductory Bible study and I can give you the material to help you to do that with your friend. Uh, will you be an open door? Will you be a door opener to those who seem to be on the outside as if it's not for them? Simeon, Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. And let me focus on the heart behind all that he's saying here with this last one. How to be secure in your faith. Begin with a transforming relationship. Have you met Jesus and are you growing in your relationship with him? Is he transforming you? Can you have you got a new name spiritually? Peter, have you discovered who you are and accept that and confident in that? Whatever your role might be, you're part of the, the team apostle. Peter struggled with that, but that's what Jesus called him for and asked him to do. And he accepted that, that role and took it on. Simeon, though you were a door opener, a door opener to others far from God. And do you have a servant attitude? Simon Peter, a servant of Jesus Christ. Actually, as we say that, it it's, comes over mild, you know, servant. How lovely. Yes, we serve, be nice. But that's, the word is doulos. It's actually slave. And as you look through the Bible, Moses was spoken of as a slave of Yahweh. Joshua, that great leader, was a slave of Yahweh. David, that great king, was referred to as the slave of God. Paul, who transformed the world with the gospel, spoke of himself, became a mark of honor for the early Christians. I'm a slave of God. Everybody else looked down. That was, that was the lowest form. That was the bottom line. <laughs> you know, nobody else wanted, I'm not a slave. I'm, I'm a free man. That's what we want to be. But Peter and the apostles and others said, the best freedom comes when you learn to be a slave of Jesus. He's the best master. He's the best master. And if we're going to be secure in who we are and secure in our faith, then we need to grow in this area of, am I a slave? Am I a doulos? Am I willing to take on that title that the early church and the early Christians and the apostles saw as a badge of honor? What did it mean? Well, if we need to understand the, what it meant to be a slave back then. A slave was often bought for a price at a market and he became the property of his master and the scripture says that you and I have been bought with the precious blood of Christ we've been redeemed out of slavery to sin and death and hell and been brought into the kingdom of his son who he loves the Lord Jesus we've been brought into his family and his home and so the slave belonged to his master he was his possession. Have you come to the place of accepting the fact I belong to God? I'm not my own master. I'm not the, the master of my fate or my destiny. I belong to God. I'm his. He's bought me with the precious blood of Christ. And that's good. There is freedom and a relaxing and there's a joy in that. It's the greatest freedom I can know. I belong to God. He owns me. I am at God's disposal. A master could get his servant to do whatever he wanted. Stop what you're doing here and go there. Go there. 
It wasn't up to him to decide where he was or what he did or where he was going to go. His life belonged to his master and he, he was at his master's disposal. Have you accepted that? I'm at the master's disposal. If he wants me in Toowoomba, that's where I am. If he wants to take me somewhere else, that's where I'll go. I'm at his disposal. I serve him. I'm his slave. And that's a great honor. I owe complete obedience to God. Actually, in ancient times, a slave had to obey his master even if it meant breaking the law of the land because the master's word was his law. That's how strong that was. And when Peter speaks of himself as a slave of Jesus Christ, when Paul and the others speak of themselves as slaves of Jesus Christ, there was this, I owe him my complete obedience. This was not a matter of, well, will I, will I not? Do I want to obey him? I will today. No, no. I owe him my complete obedience. It is not no, Lord. It is always yes, Lord. If he is Lord, if he is my master, then it's always yes. It's always yes. That was what it was for a slave. It was never no. It could never be no. And I'm always in the service of God. Slaves had no work hours. It was not 38 hours and you have a day off here and a day off there. There was no holidays. He was always in the service of his master. And as a slave of God, we're never... On holidays. Oh, yes, we might have holidays and we'll go to work and we'll be involved here, but, but as we've been doing through the gospel shaped work, don't compartmentalize my mind, life as if serving Jesus and living for Jesus is over here and this is under my control and I do. No, all of life is to be of service to Him, is to be worship of Him. So I need to be living for him as I'm on holidays and I need to be worshipping and serving him through my work and in my relationships at home, how I speak and how I act. All of life needs to be of service to him. I'm always in the service of God because I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. If we grasp that, that changes our attitude to everything. And that's what Peter had come to be. He had no rights of his own. He had no plans of his own. He might have had plans, but it was always, what does the master want? I belong to him. He owns me. I'm at his disposal for him to send me wherever he wishes. I owe him my complete allegiance and obedience, and I'm always in his service, no matter what part of life I'm at. Is this bringing honor and glory to Jesus? I'm in his service. I'm serving him in my marriage. Am I reflecting him there? I'm serving him in my work. Am I reflecting him there? I'm serving him in the church family. Am I reflecting him there? I'm serving him on my holidays. Am I reflecting him there? So it's not this life over here, a different one here. I'm always in the service of God. I'm always my master's slave. So how to be secure in who you are? By growing in the following areas, a transforming relationship, Peter, an acceptance of role, an apostle, 
a door opener for others, Simeon. But undergirding them, impacting them all, a slave attitude, a doulos of Jesus Christ. A doulos of Jesus Christ. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Who are you? Where do you get your self-worth from? How do you come to who you are? Is it like Peter? We get it through relationships. What did my dad say about me? What did my mum think about me? What do my friends think about me? Or do we get it from this transforming relationship? We get it through roles. So I'm important or I feel important, not important. But what is the role God's given me to do? And that is important. It is significant, whatever it is. Is life all just about me or am I door opener to others and undergirding it all? What's my attitude? It's my life. I'll determine what I do, where I go, what I do. It's my life. I'll do it my way. Or I have a slave attitude and I have a new master and I'm growing in that relationship. I want to serve him. I belong to him. I'm at his disposal. I owe him my complete obedience. And I'm always in his service. That's who I am. That's who I am. I'm a slave of God. Who are you? And when I know who I am and are secure in who I am, then when all the pressures of life come, I'm not swung off course like I used to be, says Peter. I'm now Simon Peter a servant, a slave, and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Do you have a transforming relationship? Or this morning, do you say, do you need to say, Lord Jesus, I need you desperately in my life. Will you forgive my sin and by your spirit come in? I surrender my will and my future, my life to you. I want to be your slave. Your servant. Well, perhaps you've begun there, but you haven't been growing in that and you've been taking back control of your life and this morning you want to recommit and say, I want to be a doulos, of Jesus Christ, the slave of Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, I surrender my will to you. I'm at your disposal to please you wherever you put me, with whatever gifts you give to me. Help me to be obedient and serve you always. So Father, help us as individuals and help us as a church be strong in the faith and be door openers for others and be growing in our relationship with you and have an attitude of being a slave of God that transforms all our relationships and all our ministry. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Pastor John. Thank you for your teaching and encouraging us all this morning through the powerful and living word of God.
opportunities now provided uh, for our tithes and offerings to be um, collected. Um, buckets will be passed around shortly. The band will um, start a song and when indicated, um, uh, if everyone can stand. Thank you. 